Hello. Welcome to Earth Matters. Earth Matters brings you environment and social justice stories. Today's story, Juru Traditional Owners Call for Adani to Stop Work, was produced for Radio 3CR, which is in Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and brought to you nationally by the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. In June 2018, a federal court found that Adani has been negotiating with the wrong traditional owner group and that the Juru people, not the Kaiburu Munda Yalga Aboriginal Corporation, are the correct native title holders for the Abbott Point region, where Adani has its coal-loading port. Regardless of this, Adani has not allowed the Juru traditional owners to see the cultural heritage protection work that the Kaiburu did, nor will Adani grant the Juru access to their ancient art, burial grounds, fish traps that are thousands of year old, ochre grounds and sacred sites to see if they really are protected. Court documents show that the Kaiburu Munda Yalga Aboriginal Corporation hid payments by Adani from scrutiny and paid its own directors up to $1,000 a day cash for cultural heritage assessments that are now invalidated. Now the Juru have made a legal request that Adani stop work. Today on Earth Matters we'll hear from Juru elder Auntie Carol Pryor about her disappointing experiences attempting to negotiate with Adani and then from Walkley award-winning investigative journalist Ben Smee as he unpacks several recent Guardian articles he wrote about the traditional owner's request for Adani to stop work. As a Juru person and a saltwater person smack bang in the middle of a Adani. So, yeah, I'm surrounded by Adani left, right and centre. But like you say, I stand up and I fight for what's right. My fight goes back many years when I first sat around the table with Adani and I didn't like his outcomes or what he put on the table. State government at the time said, you either take the 70000 for the railway line going across your country or we will take it by compulsory acquisition. And, of course, you've got that lot on one side that's terrified of standing up to the government and terrified of standing up to these mining joints. So they agreed on the 70000 And then, while I was sitting around the negotiating table, Adani promised 10,000 jobs. Some Juru people, I said, well, I don't care, as long as they're First Nations people, yeah. Then halfway through the meeting, I said to him, well, look, thank you. It's nice to know you're going to hire 10,000 people. And he says to me, oh, no. And I said, what do you mean, no? Adani's not going to do the hiring. And I said, well, OK, if you're not, who is? Subcontractors. I looked at him and I said, forget it. Take us to court for compulsory acquisition. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to hurt you where it hurts, in your pocket. By the time you finish fighting this, you're going to spend millions and I'm going to walk away even if I lose. At least I'll be happy. I made you pay for it. <laughs> but our fight is exactly the same. There are many sacred sites 
that we have to protect. Some have already been broken, deliberately smashed, the walls of our caves. So we have to stand up and fight with everything we've got. Lo and behold, last week, talking about court cases, Adani was one we took to court. And there are people here that walked up to me while I wasn't there. I was up in Cape York. People saying, congratulations. What for? You won your court case and Adani was a part of it. So yes, the big mining companies can be taken to court and they can be beaten. That was Juru Elder Auntie Carol Pryor talking at the Beyond Coal and Gas Jamboree early in June 2018. I interviewed Auntie Carol Pryor in September 2017. Back then she told me of her concern about rock art, ochre grounds and fish traps in the Abbott Point area. Here she talks about the Cayley Valley wetlands. It's a breeding place for fish that come in from the ocean, from the sea, to breed there, including the coral crab because of the old reef that's in there. So the coral crab comes up and lays their eggs like the turtles that come up and lay their eggs on the beach. They come back when they're adults to where they were born to lay their eggs and spawn. When the coral crabs hatch and they're small, they make their way to the sea like all crabs and turtles do. Can you tell me the story of being on the board and the questions that you asked and they sacked you and they didn't give any answers? When they were about to drop 300,000 tonnes of soil, plus how much it was, it was a large amount, I um, said to them, where are you dropping it? They sat out in the ocean. I said, well, it won't settle. You and I know that it won't settle. Some of it will carry on down with the current and it'll land on our fish trap and cover our fish trap over. That was the point I first made. The second point I put to them was how high would all that soil raise the ocean floor? And the third question was, is it in the path of the migrating whales? My concern was, with all that soil being dumped there and bringing up the floor of the ocean, raising it up higher, will the water be deep enough for the whales to pass? But he said to me, nobody's asked me that question before. I said, well, I'm asking you that question now. And they said, oh, we'll come back with an answer at the next meeting. But I was kicked off the board by the next meeting, so I never got the answers I wanted. So who did sign off on the agreement from the Indigenous and what did they get? (laughs) I'm sorry, I have to laugh. They might have got some money, but at the end of the day, we're going to get nothing because our agreement made by them and signed off by them is with Adani, not with the subcontractors. So all the CHMPs, Cultural Heritage Management Plans, auxiliary agreements, um, Indigenous land use agreements, you name it, are not worth the paper they're written on. We get nothing at the end of the day. And did some people get paid and what happened to that money? Quite a bit of money was given by Adani, handed over. As a jury person, I don't know where it went, what happened to it, where it was spent. I know nothing and I'm quite sure a lot of other jury common law holders are in the same boat with me, they know nothing. Could you talk a little bit about 
song lines? What's a song line and are they part of this story? Are you able to share that? Song lines are, are special songs that are handed down. Men sing them. And then, of course, you've got the women's business where women have their own songs. It's the same as our dreaming tracks. Our dreaming tracks are right across this land, not just here, right across Australia. And it's the dreaming track of our ancestors where they walked when they were time on earth, where they were walking and where they went. So they were called dreaming tracks. And so there are dreaming tracks all over the country that Adani wants to change or really damage and destroy? Will it destroy the song lines? Oh, yeah. If, if they destroy our dreaming tracks, our sacred sites, our rock art, and any other sacred sites on the land, yes. It, it changes and shifts everything in Aboriginal custom, law, history. I suppose you could say religion, because each one has their own belief. That will then change the whole history. If the subcontractors bulldoze all our sacred sites, they are wiping out our spiritual connection. They are wiping out our identity, our Aboriginality. They have just taken everything away from us that says we are the First Nation of this country because in years to come, maybe the grandchildren of future generations well, say, well, prove who you are, prove you're an Aboriginal, prove you come from this country. How can they? Because they'll turn around and say, yes, but there's no Aboriginal signs here, there's no rock art, there's no this, there's no that. Because there's nothing there to prove that Aboriginal people did live there. And the only way we prove our connection to this country is by our sacred sites and our rock art and everything else where signs have been left for us, put there thousands of years ago by our ancestors to let us know this is where you come from. And we put them there to remind you who you are. And the rock art, what's happening with that? Well, at the moment with the railway line going only 30 metres in front of one of our rock arts, the coal dust will cover that rock art because I've watched these coal trains and none of the bins are covered. So coal dust is going everywhere, not just on our rock art, but all over the wetlands, the waters, the trees. It's just covering everything. That was Juru Elder Auntie Carol Pryor. Next, we'll hear from Walkley Award-winning investigative journalist Ben Smee. You're with Earth Matters. I'm Beck Horridge. Ben, can you tell me what you've been uncovering? Well, it's a very, very interesting situation and it's also very complicated. Um, and one of the reasons that it is so complicated is because of how complex some of these native title law agreements are. In this case, we have a group of traditional owners who have recently won a court case that court case said that they were the appropriate nominated body to be on a land use agreement with Adani. And what that meant was that on that land use agreement, previously there was a different group of traditional owners, the Juru people from near Bowen, who had been conducting cultural heritage assessments for Adani. Now, because the law is so complex, there is still now a dispute 
about which group is the appropriate one to do those cultural heritage assessments. And what happened was that one group, which is called Juru Enterprises Limited, issued the paperwork for a stop order. Now, a stop order would effectively force Adani to cease any activities that the department or the minister might consider would potentially be harming or could cause harm to sacred sites. The effect at the moment is that there is a group of traditional owners who say that they are concerned about potential damage to sacred sites. Uh, and they're concerned that the surveys that have been done on Jury Country might not have been adequate. And now, I guess, there is a dispute, uh, and they are asking for an order that would stop Adani from doing any work that could potentially harm those sacred sites. So it's the Deputy Premier of Queensland, Jackie Trad, who will decide whether there are reasonable grounds for concluding that the activity is harming or threatening to harm or will have significant adverse impact on Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander heritage. We've just been hearing from Juru Elder, Carol Pryor, who says that as far as she can see, there is significant impacts going on. And what's more, she's not allowed in to even find out what's going on with rock art that could be affected by coal dust or fish traps that could be silting up. Yes, and I think that one of the biggest elements of the dispute as it I guess as things currently stand is that people like Carol Pryor, people like Andrew Morrill, who are traditional Juru owners, they have simply asked Adani to see the cultural heritage surveys that have been conducted previously on Juru country. So at the moment, they just simply want to know what work has been done, how these sacred sites are going to be protected. And the position that Adani has taken is that it believes that the work that has been done previously has been done with the right group. But what they are now refusing to do is to show Juru people how they are protecting Juru sacred sites. And to me, that is something that goes against the idea, the purpose of having rules around protecting cultural sites, because ultimately we want to make sure that those sites are protected in a way that Juru people are happy for them to be protected. So according to Andrew Morrill, who's a traditional owner, there is a burial ground on the beach at Abbott Point, which is about five metres from where Adani wants to expand its coal terminal. We talk to people like Carol Pryor who do talk about the ochre grounds and the rock art sites that are where Adani wants to build its rail line. Now, they say they have genuine cause for concern about how those sites are going to be protected because they weren't consulted, the people who are part of the Native Title Claim Group, and that the process that that happened was they weren't consulted, they weren't asked for their input when these surveys were first conducted. Now, they also have great knowledge of Juru sacred sites. They know where these plans are that Adani wants to do in terms of its rail line and in terms of its port expansion, and they're saying that they are uncomfortable with how close or how much of an impact those plans are going to have on sacred sites. So that's a really significant part of this whole dispute, is that Juru people are potentially wanting to review the cultural heritage surveys that have already been done, and then might ask Adani to change its plans or to redo work that it's already done in order to try and protect those sites. And and I guess Adani quite clearly is not 
too keen on that idea, but their position, as it has always been, is that they believe that the surveys they were done were done with the proper body in the first place and that, that effectively they're valid and that they continue to rely on them. But doesn't Adani's attitude that the surveys are valid defy the court order that says the group who we know were receiving $1,000 a day each to do the surveys weren't the correct people and wouldn't, wouldn't even understand the landscape? That is the position of Juru Enterprises, the group that wants to look at these studies. Uh, it's not the position of Adani. So one of the really complicating things here, and I think it's one of the things that, you know, at the end of this case, we really should sit down and have a look at how native title law is working because in this case it seems to be unnecessarily complex, difficult to work out who the appropriate body is on because there are multiple agreements and some of those agreements there are different views in terms of who the correct body for Adani to be dealing with is. That process really does need to be much more simplified. That court order related to one agreement, which was a land use agreement, and there are other agreements that Adani has that, like there is a cultural heritage management plan, there are separate agreements for the rail line. What the court ultimately decided was that on the agreement that they looked at, the group Kaibara that holds the native title rights for the Juru people, what it did when it replaced the other group on that agreement was that it didn't properly consult with the native title claim group. These are just directors who decided they wanted to replace the group, so they did it. Now, what has happened with those other agreements is the same process has happened. They didn't consult with the native title claim group. There were complaints from a long period of time from um, native title holders to say that they weren't being properly consulted with all of this work that goes on. So that's a matter for debate, I guess, at this point. You could probably presume that if ever these other agreements were taken to court, that what would happen is that court would find in the same way that because the proper process wasn't followed to replace Juru Enterprises, that Juru Enterprises remains the appropriate body for Adani to deal with. But because the court didn't rule on a whole heap of small agreements and because there are so many different agreements under native title law, that there is still some debate and definitely disagreement about who Adani should properly be dealing with. Adani certainly still claims that they have done everything the way they should have. And I think that's why we have now got to the point of asking for a stop order. Because Juru Enterprises has tried and tried over about a month to contact Adani to say to Adani, we want to look at the work that you've done. Because Adani won't allow that to happen, that's why we've now got to the process of, of saying to the minister, this is a situation you need to intervene in because they are unable to get Adani to acknowledge their claim to be the appropriate Juru representative. Adani's position is very much that it's a legal position, that they legally have to deal with this group. It's certainly a fact that it is in their interest to continue to take that position because what it means is that all the cultural work that has done up to now, they're able to claim that that work is still valid. Now, I'm not suggesting that's why Adani is taking that position, but ultimately it could be very damaging to Adani if they were then forced to redo all of that cultural heritage work and redo that work with a group of traditional owners who have much more knowledge about the local area 
you know, one traditional owner there, Andrew Morrill, is the only jury man who has continuation on country. So he, he knows the sacred sites. He was shown them by his father. There's an oral history that's been passed down that other jury people who had been involved in this process until now simply don't have the same oral history that someone like Andrew does or, or like someone like Carol Pryor does about that local community. So they will now be able to hopefully take that oral history, that understanding of country, redo those assessments. And that would then mean that Adani would have to reconfigure everything that it's done on Juru country to fit with just a better understanding of, of culture. Now, that's something that is still absolutely in dispute and and I would imagine this story has a, has a way to go yet because at the moment we have one group which is Juru Enterprises that's saying that it is the rightful body and it wants to redo these surveys and you have Adani who says that it doesn't believe that's the case and in, is effectively refusing to engage or acknowledge that. Would a stop order close down the whole port? Um, it is extremely unlikely that a stop order would close down the port. It is certainly possible. The application for the stop order, I, as I understand it, is relatively vague in that it doesn't specify what Juru Enterprises want in terms of exact spots to close down. It simply relates to the whole of planning work and ongoing work at the port and the rail line. One of the reasons that it has had to be so broad is because Juru Enterprises have not had any access whatsoever to the studies that were previously done. So they simply don't know. You know, if Adani is operating the port now, Juru Enterprises believes that it's doing that in a way that conflicts with cultural heritage, then it might. I do not think that that is a likely scenario because... Uh, the port has been operational for many years. It's been operational long before the agreements that were made that are in dispute in this case. What is far more likely is that an order might relate to new work that Adani is seeking to do. So as I understand it, Adani is looking to, at the moment, do some upgrade work that is in an area that hasn't yet been surveyed by Juru people, that it might potentially stop them from doing that or it might potentially put on hold things like expansion plans where work hasn't taken place yet, but there are plans in place. Those plans are based on the original surveys that are in dispute. So I think that is far more likely, but the the request for a stop order is not specific enough that we would know for sure whether it would or could shut down the port. That's going to be up to the Department of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Partnerships when it makes a recommendation and ultimately up to the Deputy Premier when she gets to the point of making a decision about whether to grant a stop order, but she would also at that point make a decision about what a stop order would actually be stopping Adani from doing. That was journalist Ben Smee. This story of traditional owner resistance to sneaky dispossession is not over. Questions remain. Will Adani let the Juru check the heritage assessments made by the discredited Kaibura? Will Adani let the Juru check to see if their sacred sites are protected? Will the Abbott Point Port Extension be able to go ahead? And now, for the last moment of Earth Matters, let's go back to the 22nd of July, 2015, at the gates of the Abbott Point Coal Terminal, during a smoking ceremony 
alongside Auntie Carol, many activists pledged to campaign to stop Adani. I pledge to protect country, community and climate and to antagonise Adani. I pledge to support First Nations people in their struggles to defend country. I pledge to respond to my conscience. I pledge to protect land and country and I pledge to give Adani a headache. I pledge to stand up against new destructive fossil fuel developments which hurt people and the planet. I pledge to protect this country from the destruction of coal mining like my elders and ancestors has done for thousands of years before. Auntie Carol and some other TOs drove the 10Ks to the next gate down at the port to deliver our pledges, but Adani security wouldn't unlock the gate or accept them. In September 2017, we were back at the entrance to Abbott Point off the Bruce Highway near Bowen. This time... People from all over Australia and Bowen locals sat down and blockaded the road. Juliet describes the scene. Well, it's a good presence of people, so probably 100, more than 100. We're all um, staunchly linking arms to show our absolute staunch opposition to this um, Adani mine. Where are you? Um, we're at the entrance to the Adani port where the coal will be exported, but um, we're going to make sure that's not going to happen um, because if we want a future for this planet, for ourselves and for our kids of all species, we have to stop this mine. If we don't stop this mine, it's all over Red Rover for the climate. And later that week... Juliet walked her talk and locked on with Cassie to a nearby coal line. We're here attached to the tracks of a, a coal railway line which leads to the Adani port. We're trying to stop work in the Adani port. The Adani coal mine must not go ahead. Uh, you've been given a direction by Superintendent McNabb to move from this area. I'm now directing you guys to move yourselves and your personal property and your locking on equipment and so forth. Uh, off the railway line. We're two people out of hundreds of thousands who will not let this coal mine go ahead. If you want a clean climate future for our kids and for the Great Barrier Reef and every other living thing on this planet, we need to keep the coal in the ground. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Melbourne in Wurundjeri country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. That's all for today's show. Thanks so much for sharing this time with us. The Earth Matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories. I'm Beck Horridge. Challenge destructive call every step of the way. Future generations, your grandchildren. Uh.
pledge to defend our reef, our water, our land. I pledge to stand with the Birigaba people and the German people and defend their land against the Dani. 